my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Now, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. Folks, it is wonderful to have you joining with us uh, right around Australia. And uh, did you realise that uh, Faith FM Australia, uh, we're going every afternoon uh, to every state and territory uh, within this uh, this wonderful land. Uh, it is fantastic to have you with us. Now, look, uh, if you're having some trouble with your, your reception, because we're a low-power FM station, then look, there's an easy, as a fantastic and an easy way to actually fix that. Why don't you download the app uh, off your uh, from your favourite app store? Now, look, all you need to do is to go to your favourite app store and do a search. Just look for Faith FM Australia. You need to add that Australia there because otherwise you're going to end up with Faith FM America, and you don't want American voices. You want Australian uh, voices. Now, look, Faith FM Australia from your favourite app store. Download the app and then in your car just hit the play button and uh, hit the uh, uh, hit, hit the drive time uh, button, and uh, you can uh, you can certainly be listening to us. Bluetooth that to the sound uh, system in your car, and uh, what do you know? Uh, you got perfect sound reception wherever you are. Uh, love uh, that particular uh, program, that particular app. Uh, it's certainly been downloaded on my phone. Uh, remember your favourite app store. Um, uh, Faith FM Australia is the uh, uh, is what you're looking for. Now, look, this week we are following the theme, the Bible, Christ and radical salvation. And today uh, we're asking that question, what is humanity's greatest need? And, you know, we live in an age of uh, ever-increasing uh, population. You know, the rich-poor divide, uh, wars, natural disaster. You know, I, I've often wondered, you know, is there a common root uh, to all of these issues? Is there something that's undergirding them? And more significantly, is there a solution uh, to that uh, overarching uh, issue? Now, today, to help us out, our co-host is uh, Marty Thompson. Now, Marty, Marty is the pastor for Grace Adventist Centre right here in Adelaide. He's also a, a trainer for small groups and uh, does an absolutely uh, fantastic uh, job. Now, welcome to you, Marty. Yeah, great to be here, Gary. Thanks uh, thanks for inviting me today. Oh, it, it's good to have you. Now, Marty will be joining us uh, uh, for a number of uh, Tuesdays because we'd like to see Marty become one of our regular uh, presenters. Now, look, Marty, just tell us a little bit. Uh, Grace Community Centre, that's that's here in Advent, in um, uh, in Adelaide. But look, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that uh, that church? I mean, what, sure. what sort of church is it? Grace Adventist Centre, Gary, started um, as a as a church plant over in the western suburbs about May last year. So, sorry, hold on, May 2021. So it's been going for just over 18 months, and it's a great church. It's multicultural. There's lots of yeah, there's kids, there's families. It's a good group 
of of people who just love each other and love the Lord. And I've I've got to say, having just come into this church, we have just felt so embraced. With so, the first first time we go there, we get all these amazing gifts. We're thinking, wow, you know, this is boy oh boy, we don't deserve this. But it was it was just such a beautiful welcome. They have. Uh, lunch after church every single week. It is a fantastic church. Yeah, you, you know, Marty, I actually had the privilege of, of preaching there just uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, well, a, a little bit towards the end of uh, last year, and I absolutely loved it. You know, this is a a congregation. In fact, the thing that really impressed me is that there was a a stack of youth and and young professionals people there. There were families there. There mm-hmm. were little children mm-hmm. there, uh, and yet even with that demographic, demographic, it seemed to be a, a somewhat. Uh, Conservative in style and in music. You know, I mean, look, can the two really go together? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not the music that draws people to come to church. It's love. It's relationships. It's when people are genuine. And that's what I've discovering more and more at uh, Grace Adventist Centre. Just a group of very genuine people who love the Lord. And if anyone's out there uh, listening and they're in Adelaide, come and join us Saturday mornings, uh, 11 o'clock at 312 Sir Donald Bradman Drive. We're actually meeting in a uniting church facility because it is a church plant. We haven't got our own facility as of yet. Okay, so that's on Sir Donald Bradman. That's on the, one of the main roads if you're here in Adelaide that's heading out towards the, uh, the airport and the facility is second to none. This is a quality facility. It's a uniting church facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every single, uh, weekend, uh, this group does, uh, does meet there. And, uh, look, guys, I would encourage you, if you happen to be in Adelaide, uh, the very, the very best church you can attend is certainly my church over at Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't come to the Brighton church, the, the, mo- the most humble church too. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the second best church in Adelaide uh, yes. is in fact uh, Marty's church on good. Donald Bradman <laughs> Drive, uh, and that's uh, Grace uh, Community Church. And now look, that's a that, that's a wonderful uh, wonderful group. And now look, um, Marty, look, let's come if we can uh, to uh, our World Watch segment because I'm just really conscious there's something that that I just picked up on that I think is of incredible uh, significance. And our, our listeners would be aware that one of the uh, organisations that I really appreciate following is uh, the Cultural Research Centre that's based at Arizona Christian University. Now, at uh, this particular facility, uh, the chief uh, lecturer is actually Dr. George Barner. And, of course, he's been renowned for years for his research in various aspects of uh, of. Christian belief and practice. Now, he's just released, just in the last week, the American Worldview Inventory 2023. And of course, whatever happens in America seems to be flowing across here at some point in time. This is release one, and normally there's six or eight uh, releases uh, at about two weekly type uh, type intervals that uh, detail different aspects of uh, uh, what's happening in the American uh, religious uh, religious scene. And uh, this particular release was 
was highlighted uh, incidents of a biblical worldview shows significant change since the start of the pandemic. Now, of course, a worldview is how do I actually view my world? Uh, most uh, most people in our big wide world uh, would see our world through a secular uh, lens. Some see it through a more a scientific lens. Uh, there are others who uh, look at it through a biblical lens. And of course, a person who sees uh, what is happening around them through a biblical lens might uh, might believe in things like the supernatural, for example. They'll believe that a God does exist. They believe that uh, the, the supernatural is very real. They might believe in, well, they will believe in predictive prophecy. They believe in that the virgin birth. Yeah, this is individuals who have got a biblical worldview. George Barnes actually done some survey uh, research work asking uh, how many people do still have a biblical worldview out there? And this is what the article uh, went on to say. The COVID-19 lockdowns and lifestyle changes that began in early 2020 provided Americans with an opportunity to spend more time doing the things that their hectic on-the-go lives precluded, such as reading the Bible. But it appears that as people's lives were substantially altered by the virus and government policies, Americans were not spending the extra time devoting energy to spiritual matters and worldview enhancement. In fact, the first national study of Americans' worldview in the post-lockdown era found that the incidence of a biblical worldview amongst the population declined to a mere 4%. That's down one-third from the 6% recorded just months before the pandemic started in 2020. According to the American Worldview Inventory 2023, the most noteworthy declines across the three years were recorded amongst born-again Christians who actually dropped by a full a six six percent? That staggered me when I realised the biggest drop actually occurred amongst that group of people who had self-identified themselves as a born-again Christian. The results of the American Worldview Inventory, said Barna, are frightening for biblical Christians, according to uh, George Barna, uh, the creator uh, of that American Worldview Inventory and director for research at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona uh, Christian uh, Christian University. He carried on and uh, continued. This is what he said. Uh, when you put the data in perspective, the biblical worldview is shuffling towards the edge of a cliff, Barna said. As things stand today, biblical theism, now that's uh, belief, biblical belief in theism God, uh, is much closer to extinction in America than it is to influencing the soul of the nation. The current incidence of adults with a biblical worldview is at the lowest since I began measuring it in the early 1990s. The veteran researcher cautioned, young people in particular are largely isolated from biblical thought in our society and are the most aggressive at rejecting biblical principles in our culture. Barna was especially disappointed that more Christian churches and schools are not emphasizing biblical worldview development. People do not develop, and I found this a significant statement, people do not develop a biblical worldview randomly 
or by default, he continued, the impact of the arts, entertainment, government and public schools is clearly apparent in the shift away from biblical perspectives to a more experiential and emotional form of decision-making. Now, uh, look, Marty, what's your initial reaction to, to, to this particular... I mean, to me, it blew my, yeah, my I'm mind. I'm yeah. shocked. I didn't realise that um, such a small slither of Americans today actually hold a biblical worldview. I would, I would have thought it would have been more than that, but... That so that surprised me, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in America, we sort of expect, hey, you know, they're more religious than us here in Australia. Uh, but uh, apparently, once he starts digging down into the numbers, he's saying, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, people might be going to church, but do they hold a biblical worldview? And of course, the biblical worldview is saying that, hey, you know, I'm prepared to accept. The supernatural, for example, I'm happy mm-hmm, to accept, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a supernatural creation. I'm happy mm, to, you know, yes. these these issues, you know, while they may be attending church, the biblical worldview is actually changing significantly. Uh, now, look, one of that statement that he did actually make at the end, I'd like to pick up. I mean, you're a uh, you're a pastor who pastors a, a young church with uh, uh, some wonderful people there. But one of the things he says is that people do not develop a biblical worldview randomly or by default. Now, how would you respond to that? I mean, surely, I mean, I personally thought that the development of a biblical worldview would be largely, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit. Gary, yes, absolutely. The Holy Spirit, as the as Jesus said in John sixteen thirteen, will guide you into all truth. How does the Holy Spirit do that, though? He's going to work through somebody else. And so often when it comes to developing a biblical worldview, it involves the study of the Bible. It involves interacting with, with others who share that worldview. And that's just how we learn. Um, I don't think that it, I, I would agree with his statement. I don't think people would just click their fingers and, and straight away they have a biblical worldview or, or that we would just stumble across it in, at random in a world where, well, let's face it, there are more worldviews out there today. Than ever before. Yeah. So yeah. finding the biblical worldview would be like finding a needle in a haystack because yeah. it's just a jungle of ideas and opinions yeah. out there in the world today. Even about the Bible itself, you know, and to me. Yes. You know, I mean, to me, I think of, you know, what Paul in, in the book of Romans, you know, where he talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing itself by the word of God. So that uh, mm-hmm. to me, I look at this and I say, hey, look, you know, what we've really got here is a both and, not an either or. In other words. Yeah. And I just thinking about this, Gary, makes me think that obviously. If, if the biblical worldview is the, is the true worldview or is the, is, is the best worldview to have. Yeah. Then Satan has done an incredibly good job at making it difficult to find. Yeah. Because yeah. there, there, this is a huge challenge even if somebody's come from like a Hindu or a Muslim or a Buddhist background yeah. and they start to investigate Christianity. One of the biggest challenges that they're going to face is, well, which version of Christianity is correct? Yeah. Because there's literally thousands, and that is a very confusing thing, and that's certainly not God's plan. Okay, well, look, let me just ask you then, how do you as a pastor present the a biblical 
worldview. How do you present uh, the scriptures, uh, maybe to uh, you know, to a new believer, uh, so that uh, they come to understand what the Word of God is actually? You know, is there a process they can go through? Absolutely, Gary, and it's not complicated. God, we have Bibles. The, you know, it's the most printed book in the history of our world, and it's accessible in all different languages um, more than any other book. It's shaped our culture, whether we believe it or not, in, in remarkably positive ways through the centuries. And so when I'm sitting down, if, if someone has questions about the Bible, I will definitely, you know, I'll, I'll schedule to meet up with them, and, and we'll go through it step by step. And it's great just to be able to ask questions and and read together and ask the question over and over again, according to the Bible, what does it say about dot, dot, dot? Mm. And you keep asking that question, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Because that's where you're safe. If you stick with what the Bible says, you'll stay on the right track. The Bible's basically like a map for life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If we start tr- sort of trying to throw in our own angle, and this is where some people say, well, yeah, you know, isn't it? You know, who interprets it? The great thing is the Bible will interpret itself if we allow it to. Ah, uh, now I'm really interested. I just want to pick up on that just for a moment. The Bible will interpret itself. You know, to me, I think what you've actually spoken about there is a really important principle for coming to understand the understanding the Word of God. It's I mean, the just only open, way. open that up just a little bit more. What does that mean? It means that if a section of Scripture is actually obscure or confusing or it seems to say something, elsewhere in the Bible you will find the same theme spoken about and it will bring light. It'll, it'll help you to understand it. And there are hundreds of examples. The Bible is so interconnected, it's unlike any other book. You can be reading about, for example... Um, death, you could be reading about death in a particular part of the scriptures and trying to understand what does happen when you die. And some part of the scripture you might read and go, oh, it seems to be saying this. Another part, it seems to be saying that. But as you keep reading the verses, there's literally, you know, there's over a hundred on that particular subject. You'll get a very clear, crystal clear picture of what the Bible actually teaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I actually, uh, I, I know I have some, some friends over at, um, uh, at your uh, particular church at, uh, at Grace there. And uh, one of the things that really impresses me is the way that, uh, they have become incredible Bible students, certainly in, you know, a small group, a mm. type, a type mm. format. Mm. And uh, I know that you're somebody who's really passionate about, about small groups. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, is there any benefit in that? Absolutely. Well, the Bible in in Second Peter chapter one, towards the end of the chapter, it says the Bible is not of any private interpretation. So it's not about locking ourselves away in a room and just trying to figure it all out by ourselves. It is about coming together. Yeah. And it is about doing life together because the Bible is not theory; it's practical. It impacts yeah. our day-to-day life, and it helps us to experience joy and happiness yeah, and peace, yeah. a peace that so many people are, Gary, are just it's totally aloof to them, yeah. and it's right there. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Marty, thank you so much for that. Really do appreciate what you've actually shared. Now, look, folks, if you'd like to meet uh, Marty, why don't you come along to uh, the Grace uh, Grace Community uh, Church. Uh, fantastic little church. It's a family-oriented church. Uh, it's a church that uh, has got a, a real biblical uh, undergirding, and I really appreciate uh, uh, Marty's uh, um, uh, 
biblical understanding. If you'd like to meet him, look, you can meet him on Sir Donald Bradman Drive right here in, in Adelaide. It's at the Uniting uh, Uniting Church. What number is that again? 312 Sir Donald Bradman Drive. 312 Sir Donald Bradman Drive. Come along and uh, and meet uh, Marty. Love you to be able to just say hello uh, to him. Uh, he's the good-looking one that's standing up the front. <laughs> oh, I'll pay you later. <laughs> oh, dear. Look, let's come to some uh, some music, folks. This is uh, Faith First. Uh, Tis so sweet uh, to trust in Jesus. Uh, please, please enjoy. Trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know Thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus How I trust him Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more, oh, for grace to trust Him. That is uh, faith, uh, faith first. And uh, they're singing, uh, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, a cappella version, and uh, really appreciate their uh, their ministry. Uh, you can uh, certainly get their uh, uh, their uh, music on online. Uh, now, look, folks, uh, we do have a giveaway, a book for you today. Uh, this is a real a little beauty again. This is Ty Gibson, In the Light of God's Love. And uh, uh, in the... This, uh, this really digs in. Ty Gibson is one of the, uh, one of the really high quality presenters. Uh, Ty is someone who challenges my thinking every time uh, I listen to him. Uh, he, he's a preacher of, uh, of renown. Now, uh, in this particular book, uh, in the first chapter, you'll encounter the cross of Jesus Christ with self-forgetful understanding. 
Riding on the beautiful wave of Calvary's love, each chapter that follows will apply the healing power of that love at the practical level of your daily Christian experience. Personal salvation, obedience, temptation, failure and relationships are all pondered with a fresh insight in the illuminating light of God's love. Guys, this book is a real, real ripper. In fact, this is a proper, this is a, a full-size uh, book. Uh, it, it goes to about a few more than a hundred, uh, hundred pages. And, uh, normally, uh, it's a book that you, we actually wouldn't advertise normally, but look, today, uh, we believe this subject is just so important uh, that we wanted to offer this particular book. It's a little bit larger than normal. The book is entitled In the Light of God's Love by Ty, Ty Gibson. Personal Salvation, Obedience, Temptation and Failure. Hey, how many, uh, how many of us have struggled uh, with those issues in our Christian life? Uh, this gives a very, very beautiful uh, understanding of how do we relate uh, to the issue of, of failure. Now, look, guys, if you would like uh, this particular book in the light of God's love, look, I'd just like to um, uh, like you to uh, um, connect with us uh, at our text number. Now, our text number, our drive time text number is 488 8081104888811 and our code is SA107 SA107 now look no gap between the SA and the 107 just uh just just in five digits in a row, SA107. And uh, that'll go directly to our robot. Uh, we call him Pilgrim. He's a nice robot. Uh, he does exactly what we tell him to do, but he's a little bit of a dumb robot too because uh, if you put a gap between the SA and the 107, he can't even read it. Uh, so, uh, goodness me, we need to invest in a better robot. I can uh, <laughs> I can see that. But look, guys, if you'd like a copy of this book, In the Light of God's Love by Ty Gibson, SA one oh seven and that number again is O four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. You'll love uh, this uh, this particular book. Uh, I'd encourage you. Uh, if if you haven't picked up a book before on our drive time show, this is the day to start. Uh, I believe you'll be your heart will be warmed uh, by this particular book. It's a book that you can use mm. for your devotional times. You'll love it. Uh, now, look, folks, uh, uh, you are listening today to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our, our co-host is uh, Marty Thompson, who pastors the Grace Adventist Church right here in uh, in Adelaide, a fantastic little, uh, little church. And this week we're following the theme, the Bible, Christ and radical salvation. And today we're simply asking, what is humanity's greatest need and now look this is this is something i'm just so conscious uh that we we do need to dig into do you know marty when you actually uh consider all the needs of humanity it's really enough to almost reduce even a strong man uh to uh, uh to tears uh you know i i know that i'm actually part of the faith fm prayer ministries team and day after day i'm actually touched uh by the incredible challenges that our listeners do face. Mm. And yet, you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of is that so many of those issues come back to one uh, common, um, uh, common base. Now, uh, look, um, Marty, 
is it is it fair is it fair to classify um, you know one need as being greater than others? Uh, to me, that's the subject I want us to, to deal with today. You know, what mm. is humanity's greatest need and what's the solution? Yeah, yeah. It's a great question, Gary. And, and so another way of phrasing it is what is our ultimate need? What is our ultimate need? Yeah. I, yeah. I recently read a story of a young man who was driving home drunk. He was driving around a particular corner when he felt a bump, but he was too drunk to take too much notice, so he kept driving. In the morning, he read in the newspaper and discovered that an elderly lady had been hit by a car the previous night along the same stretch of road that the young man drove to get home. Mm -hmm. Then he remembered the bump driving home the last night and he went out to check his car. Sure enough, there was the dent in his car and he felt he should come forward and tell the police what had happened. But the thought of facing those charges and going to jail was too much. So he remained silent. And as the years went by, the guilt of what he had done never left him. Mm-hmm. And eventually he became overcome by despair and he took his own life, Gary. Mm-hmm. He left a note explaining in detail that he was the one who was drunk driving when he hit the old lady. And you know what? The investigators, when they found the note, they studied the case again and they discovered, shockingly, that the newspaper reporter had made a mistake. The old lady had been hit the previous night before the young man drove home. Wow. And so it wasn't the act that destroyed his life, but it was the guilt that he didn't let go of, the guilt that he didn't deal with that destroyed his life. And so perhaps our ultimate need is related to the question, how do I deal with guilt in my life, with skeletons in the closet, with the wrong things that I've committed how do I deal with what, what the Bible defines as sin? Okay. okay. You know, what you're actually talking about here is something that is not all that popular to talk about. I mean, to in today's, in our secular world today, a sin is something that, well, you know, previous generations might be guilty of, but uh, surely, you know, it doesn't, doesn't impact me. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, um, that sin... And, and guilt and evil and, and these things, as much as we might try to um, sugarcoat them, yeah. the reality is we can't escape them. And in our quiet moments, Gary, we all know that, that when there's something in our lives that ought not be there, we, we can't have peace. We can't have peace. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and the good news of the Bible is there is a way to have peace. There's a way to move forward. There's a way to deal with these issues, and God has made that abundantly clear in the Bible. And so I'm coming in my Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 51, and it comes off the back of a very interesting story. The story is the story of King David, mm. and many people you know, know, know about King David, uh, so, you know, probably a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. That's yeah. right. And uh, things were going incredibly well for him, but of course he had a, a moment where he um, took his eyes off the Lord, and he saw a beautiful woman bathing on the top of her roof. And long story short, he ends up committing adultery with this woman. Mm-hmm. Bathsheba is her name, mm-hmm. and he's the king. Yeah, he's the king. Yeah. 
But uh, rather than try and deal with it, he then discovers that she's pregnant. Yeah. And then what does he try and do? Like like many of us, when we make a mistake and cover up, we try to cover it up. And so that's exactly what he does. And he tries to get her husband to come home and 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 and, and, you know have the night with his wife. But this soldier, Uriah the, the Hittite. Sorry, hold on. Did I get that right? The soldier? Yeah, Uriah, 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 yes. He's so loyal, he won't even go into his wife that night because he's got his buddies back out on the battlefield. So That's, he dedica- sleeps- that's dedication, isn't that's it? That's incredible. He sleeps outside that night. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. David realizes, boy, there's nothing we can do about this. So he says, okay, put Uriah in the front lines. Kill him. And, and, he, and he gets killed. Yeah. So he is covering up this, this guilt. He's trying to deal with it by- Covering it up. But elsewhere in the book of Psalms, he says, when I remained silent, my bones grew weak. Yeah. His whole insides just, and this is what happens physically, even on a physical level, when there's something in our lives that we haven't dealt with properly, it just destroys us from the this, inside. This is actually the impact of sin, isn't it? I mean, we live in a world today in which, you know, it's basically open slather. You can do whatever you like, whenever you like, and how often you like. Uh, and the, the reality is, is that, hey, you know, I mean, no one's going to judge you because it's actually a sin to actually judge uh, somebody else. And yet uh, what you're actually saying to us is that sin itself uh, does actually impact on me. It always will. It always will because we still, if if we still have something of a conscience and that moral compass to guide us through life, we will always experience. And by the way, guilt is not a bad thing necessarily. Okay. okay. I mean, imagine if you didn't feel any guilt at any time. That that's like psychopath type of yeah, you know th- yeah, thing. Yeah. And so, guilt is not a bad thing in and of itself. Because if we have done the wrong thing and we feel bad about it, it's an opportunity for us to reflect and to make changes towards a positive outcome. Mm, mm. Now, so, so, so what's this Psalm 51? So that Psalm 51, David has his, his sinned and he acknowledges that in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. He acknowledges that not only did he sin, um, he, he, he sinned publicly essentially because of his position as king yeah but he also sinned i guess privately in his own heart mm-hmm. towards god that he had d- made a deliberate choice to step outside of god's plan for his life yeah. and um and and it's and you know the story of you know if we read the story of david there's a consequence yeah, yeah. But, and you know, David, but before you actually go there, Marty, you know, one of the things I'm conscious of is that I'd encourage, you know, anybody who may be struggling with this issue of guilt uh, to actually turn to a Psalm 51 in their Bible because Absolutely. I, know, I know that on, on many occasions, you know, when I've been sitting down talking to someone, this has been one of the primary Psalms that I've actually uh, referred to for people who are who are struggling, who don't have peace, uh, people yeah. who, who, who yeah. wish they could have. And to me, to See how David responded to this thing called sin. And this mm-hmm. is really the the overarching problem. I mean, why is it that our society is in the mess that it's in today? Mm-hmm. The reason it's in the mess that it is today is because of this thing called sin. There is Absolutely. an overarching problem. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. I mean, but what does King David actually do here? When he is confronted with the fact that he has sinned, First, let's let's read what he says yeah, in yeah, Psalm yeah, 51. Yeah. He says, 
He prays. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Yeah. So when David deals with his sin, he doesn't try and cover it up at this point in time. He's tried that. That didn't work. That didn't work. He's moved on. It just destroyed his life even more. And like the story of the young man we read earlier who just who didn't want to face up to it. It ended up destroying him from the inside. Mm. He doesn't try and excuse it either. either. Mm. He doesn't say, yeah, okay, I did that, but so-and-so, did you hear what they did? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't try and brush it under the carpet, but he acknowledges that he has done wrong. Yeah. But here's what he does. Yeah. He asks God for mercy. Wow. He doesn't even try and tell God all the good things that he has done as if, as if God will forgive him on a basis of, oh, well, okay, you have done this bad thing, but guess what? I've done lots of good things too. Mm. So, you know, that sort of makes up and for it. And it's very easy to do this, isn't it? You know, I mean, as humans, we seem to be incredibly good at justifying that, you know, I mean, okay, I might have done this, but in fact, you know, I'm not as bad as, you know, I mean, my next door neighbor or the politicians there in Canberra or, you know, I mean, somebody else that, hey, you know, uh, you know, it, this is really only a minor thing. You know, justif- self-justification seems to be something that is rife oh, it, within our community. It comes very naturally to us. Because, because we yeah, because we do want to experience that peace, mm. and mm. sometimes that's how we we think about it. But the Bible says in in uh, in Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says the heart is deceitful above, above all, all things. things. And when it's talking about the heart, it's talking about the mind. Mm. It's talking about the way that we think yeah. and that internal dialogue that we have with ourselves. You know, people you, the uh, the the old saying is. Oh, what does your heart say? Trust your heart. Well, biblically speaking, that's terrible advice. Yeah. Terrible advice. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so, therefore, we do need to look outside of ourselves for help. Okay. We okay. need to look to God. And that's what David does. He doesn't hinge his um, hope for forgiveness on anything that he has done. Mm-hmm. But he hinges it on God's mercy, on God's loving kindness. Just read us that passage, will you? Because this is this is so to me. This is one of the most powerful passages in the entire scriptures. It's beautiful. I'll, I'll read just the first verse again. Yeah, yeah, Have please. mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Mm. Blot out my transgression. It's as if it's as if David's saying, Gary, God, I know that you're a God of goodness and of love. Mm. I've experienced that in my life. I know that you want to forgive me. I know that you want to save me more than I even want to be saved. Mm-hmm. And so I'm crying out to you, God, to help me, to rescue me. He's he's not saying this in doubt. Mm. He's actually saying it trusting in, that in God conf- is good. Does, does God really, I mean, does he challenge us to bring these things to him? I mean, of course he does. Yeah, he, he he invites us to bring these things to him because ultimately, Gary, where else, what else can we do to deal with this problem? I mean, we've mentioned a few other alternatives. Yeah. Now, David continues his appeal in verse 5, mm-hmm. and he says something very interesting. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. That's another word for sin. Yeah. And in sin, my mother conceived me. In other words, he's saying... God, this is in my DNA. Yeah. Right from yeah. the moment I was born, I was broken. Yeah. And this is this is what 
the Bible, you know, says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's yeah. Romans 3.23. Yeah. Every single one of us, no matter if we have, you know, no matter our upbringing, no matter what else, we have all got this DNA that just that has a tendency towards doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Now, now, there are some who would say, hey, look, you know, I mean, we're being horribly judgmental in saying that. And yet the thing I'm really conscious of is that that certainly it's a it's a foundational biblical teaching. But certainly in my ministry, I've certainly seen how incredibly true uh, that that actually is. You know, the, the closer the more you get to know somebody, it seems that the uh, the more real Mm. That hey, you know those those faults can you know my wife uh, can share things about about me. <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> no, let's not go there. Exactly, exactly. You know our those who are closest to us know us the best, and they're able to say, "Hey, look, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know the, the person is uh, you know appears to be a good person, but you know, you know, there's you know there's things in their life that you know, and what the Bible is saying is that hey." That's actually true of of everybody. And, you know, mm, to me, it is. To me, the thing that really that says to me is, "Hey, look, you know, I need to be a little bit gentle how I treat other people." It absolutely is saying that, Gary. You're right. We're all in the same boat. Mm. We can't judge. You know, we shouldn't be judgmental. Um, we we need to try and support each other because we all face the same struggle ultimately, yeah. and that is an internal struggle. With, with what the Bible calls sin and what we could also call just selfishness, where we want to do what we want to do. And I think about it in this way, because I think it's a fair point. Could people be asking, is that being a bit harsh? Is that, is that kind of throwing humanity under the bus? Is human nature really that bad? Mm. The question that, that, that I, I believe, you know, came to my mind, probably the Holy Spirit gave, gave to me is, has human DNA changed since World War Two? No. Or any World War for that no, matter. No, obviously not. Obviously not. I mean, how long in the history of our world, and so the question is, it's our DNA, our human nature hasn't changed. What all that needs to happen is certain pressures to be applied to human nature. And the same issues and they face there could reoccur they in our reoccur world. exactly yeah, you know because and so ultimately though we don't want to focus on this i do want to focus on the point that there is a solution there is a solution okay look let's come to that let's come have a little bit of a break and then we'll come back and we'll uh, come to that uh, that solution because i think that's really important uh, folks please enjoy this is uh, Laura's story and uh, the song is uh, grace i love this particular song uh, please enjoy my heart is so proud My mind is so unfocused I see the things you do through me As great things I have done And now you gently break me
As I walk with you, I'm learning what your grace really means. The price that I could never pay was paid at Calvary. So instead of trying to She's singing Grace. Uh, what a what a beautiful song that is, and what a story uh, Grace really is. Uh, love uh, all that we're talking about today. Now, look, folks, our our giveaway today uh, deals with exactly this subject. It's entitled "In the Light of God's Love." Now, look, if you have a spend time in a devotional time each day, and you want a book that's really going to lift you up. Uh, this is that book. Every now and then a book is written that penetrates beyond the head and speaks to the innermost heart. Page by page, the reader senses in this book the distinct moving of God's Spirit. Christ, in all his matchless glory, is exalted until self fades into insignificance. You know, look, folks, I would recommend uh, this uh, this book uh, to you. Uh, this is a book that has the potential to change your life. If you are struggling with some of those issues maybe that David was dealing with, uh, then this is the book for you. You know, if there are issues in, in your family, uh, then this is the book for you. Uh, this, this is, this will build you up, uh, in a way that, uh, is rare, even amongst Christian books. Now look for guys, if you would like this particular book, uh, the, uh, our, our drive time text number is 04888808811. And all you need to do is to put in there our, uh, code, uh, for today. And our code for today is SA 107. No gap between the SA and the 107, just SA 107. That'll go straight through to our, uh, to our computer, uh, to our robot, and uh, he'll like uh, he'll come back to you, get a few details off you, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. That number again is oh four triple eight eight zero eight. 11, uh, and the code is SA107. Really look forward uh, to uh, receiving your request, and thank you so much to those people who've already requested this book, and we have had a number of requests already. Uh, now, folks, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary, and uh, this week we're following the theme, The Bible, Grace, uh, Christ, and Radical Salvation, and today we're asking, what is 
humanity's greatest need. Uh, you know, Marty, I really appreciate what you've actually presented as humanity's greatest need. You know, it's bigger than any other issue mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. the it's the root of all issues. It but is. look, we've got about about ten minutes. Look, just just tell us what's the solution for many. They attempt to solve the problem with education. Okay. They believe that if we can be educated, that we can deal with the moral issues in society and in our own lives. But the scriptures point to a different view. Uh, again, uh, others might believe that their riches or that building up wealth could, um, could save them. But I, I'm reminded of the experience of those aboard the Titanic. Mm. And that incredibly wealthy people said things like, I would give all my wealth just for, for more time. Yeah. Wealth can't, wealth can't, and obviously some of the most corrupt individuals in the world are the most wealthy. So why would we think that that could save us? Mm. Can science and technology save us? Some people in the hope that science one day will be able to cure death, um, You've seen these uh, individuals who have themselves frozen in liquid nitrogen in the hope that one day in the future, science will advance to the point when we can solve the problem of death. Mm. But I'd say that's a really, that's a real long shot, Gary. Mm. Can, what about our good works? Now, this is a really common one amongst religious folk, amongst Christians, amongst people who have faith. Can our good works save us? Good people can be saved, can't they? Sure they can. Sure they can, but, but can bad people? <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing, and and sometimes we this is like our natural way of thinking. We do think that if the good outweighs the bad, yeah, then we're yeah. going to make it through. That's going to deal with our problems, and so people in ancient cultures would put and would put themselves through interesting ceremonies, perhaps walking on the hot coals, perhaps. Um, perhaps it involved traveling to holy sites or giving food to, to holy men and etc. Or, 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 or these different types All of potential solutions, aren't they? Hoping that by visiting a place, by s- touching something, by praying a certain prayer would instantly give them, um, forgiveness and eternal life. But the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay. And then it goes on to say, not of works, lest anyone should boast, yeah. because it's the gift of God. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. So I'll highlight a couple of things there. The Bible says it's by grace we've been saved. Grace yeah. is something that is given to us that we don't deserve. Mm. We can't earn it. Mm. We don't deserve it. And we often don't appreciate it. It's not something that we can buy or earn. Um, salvation is a free gift that God gives to us and that we accept it by faith. Now, the other thing there is specifically says that it's not by works that we're saved. If we're trusting, and, and Gary, even Christians can easily fall into this, that we think that I went to church, tick, Prayed, tick. Read my Bible, tick. Went to mass, tick. Yeah. Um, etc. Did you know? Counted my my beads. Yeah. Visited the holy sites. Yeah. Um, etc. etc. The list goes on. Paid my tithe or whatever it is, and we think that that list is somehow going to uh, recommend us to God. 
the reality is it can't. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that all of our works, even our good works, are like filthy rags. In other words, they're often tainted with selfish motives. Mm. And so, how do we get? How do we break through this? You know, for me, I'll share just personally. Please, I grew up in a Christian home. Yeah, but for many, many years, I had this fear of God. I had this fear of being lost. Mm. I felt I couldn't be good enough. Mm. I felt that I, I just wasn't reaching the standard. Yeah. And there was a verse of scripture that a school chaplain actually shared with me mm-hmm. that totally changed my whole experience. And it's found in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 and it says, "But while we were st- but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." Powerful. It's powerful because what it tells us is that it's not about us, it's about him. Mm. It's that even when we were in a broken, sinful state, God loved us. Yeah. And he yeah. saved us through the gift of his son. Powerful. It wasn't that we reached out to God and we did something amazing. It's that God reached down to us. And no matter how many times we have fallen, no matter how low we may have sunken, God's love is able to reach us. It's so powerful. What it did for me is it helped me to see that God loved me unconditionally. Mm. And as I meditated and reflected more on this idea of that God loves me no matter what, it seemed to fill my heart with a peace that beforehand was unknown. It seemed to melt away different habits and different issues in my life. Now, this didn't happen instantly. It happened over time. Mm. But it started that process of yeah. becoming a new person, and it was really love that was at the foundation. It of actually that. deals with this whole issue that the foundational issue, this thing called sin. Because what we have to to me, uh, when I come to Christ, uh, I'm also given some wonderful gifts by the Heavenly Father. And, you know, the, the the chief amongst them to me is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, one of the things that uh, that I really appreciate is that the Holy Spirit actually gives me uh, a power to be able to deal with issues that I previously was unable to deal with. It gives me Peace, and I love mm. that word that you actually that you actually shared there. I think that was that is so core. You know, to me, this is what what our book this week is actually sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh, in the light of God's love. It's a this is a beautiful, a beautiful book. And uh, let me just uh, share o four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven, and uh, that uh, that code again is SA one zero seven. And folks, look, we would love uh, you to consider uh, 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 asking for that uh, that particular book. Uh, now, guys, look, it is time for us to. We do need to finish. We are at the at the top of the hour. Uh, I'm just wondering, as we finish, uh, let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I just want to come to you now. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray. Uh, for uh, those who are listening, Lord, there may be somebody uh, who is struggling with this entire issue uh, of of sin, the really big issue. They're feeling the consequences of sin. Lord, I just pray for that person right now. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that indeed uh, if they just acknowledge you at this point, that you will forgive their sin. Lord, I pray that you'd give them the gift of the Holy Spirit and that you would give them peace. For, Lord, this is what your word does does promise. Lord, we thank you 
for fulfilling your word in lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Marty Thompson on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be chatting with Brenton Wilkinson. Uh, We'll be looking at the radical nature of repentance and confession. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give. is isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 